Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It's Steph. It's uh, about ten past five on the 25th of April, 2007. And I'd like to sort of continue on the chat without the financial harangi harangi regarding the success of this conversation, the success of Freedom Aid Radio, which I think, I think, is sort of the success of philosophy. Now, it's not like philosophe, c'est moi. It's not uh, like, like uh, I am philosophy, I am reality. But I think that we can fairly safely say that this is one of the more <laughs> productive and uh, far-reaching philosophical conversations that has occurred in the world for, uh, I really couldn't tell you how long. I really couldn't tell you how long it has been in the world since a philosophical discussion of the kind that we're having here has has really occurred. I certainly have not seen it. I mean, you see stuff, oh, Austrian economists will talk about this and there was the Ayn Rand Collective, and they talked about that. But to me, that wasn't quite as participatory, a, and, and of course not really as personal a set of discussions as I think are really productive when it comes to changing the world. So I think that this is the first really far-reaching, and, and I mean, some of it has to do with me, some of it has to do with you, and a lot of it has to do with the technology that makes these conversations and this participation available for the first time in history. But I think that as far as leveraging, uh, leveraging the discussion of ideas, we are doing an enormous amount of good. And I think it's a pretty, I mean, I don't know, there's certainly been nothing like it in the internet age that I've ever seen. There may be stuff out there. There hasn't been anything out there in the internet age that I've seen. And anything which occurred prior to the internet age, uh, some of the uh, philosophical circles that have sprang up in post-Kantian Germany, or the Algonquin Round Table, if you like your stuff, Dorothy Parkerish, and satirical. Dorothy Parker is a great writer. She, she had this great phrase. She said, if you've got nothing nice to say about anybody, you just come sit right down by me, honey. <laughs> just quite funny. But there have been sort of flare-ups, like solar flares that occur once every 50 or 75 or 100 years. Uh, Spencer uh, and and sort of the muscular Christianity of the late nineteenth century would be another, but all all infected with mysticism or or um, or cultism or you know I don't know infallible leaderism or something like that, and all without <laughs> without much of a sense of humor, and that is I mean watching watching Nietzsche try to. Uh, uh, watching Nietzsche try to make a joke is sort of like watching me sashaying down the sidewalk in a little Ch Chanel black dress number. Uh, not not gainly and, uh, frankly, quite hairy. And so I just... This is a pretty unprecedented conversation. And I I say that because, of course, it's, it is it is a conversation, right? I mean, me, me yelling at the car doesn't really do much good uh, to anyone if people didn't pick up on it and, and if people weren't thirsty... If people weren't thirsty for this, then me doing what I'm doing would mean nothing if the conversation didn't spark, right? So I think it's important to take the long view of what it is that we're doing. And the long view is now to the end of this podcast, because they're pretty much the longest podcast, I think, around 
But uh, oh, I also wanted to mention uh, with regards to the success of Freedom Mind Radio. I mean, people have suggested ads. Uh, I don't think that ads are going to work. I really don't. I mean, certainly happy to hear a business case to the contrary, but I really don't think that ads are going to work. I don't think you can talk about the true self and the depth of humanity and uh, uh, no God and then break for a dietary supplement from, 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 from some fairly dubious source on the Internet. I just don't. I take the long view of these podcasts in that I think they're going to be around for quite some time, and I think that they're going to do some some real good for quite some time, and I think that it has the possibility of being a very healthy virus that does a huge amount of good in the world. That's certainly what motivates me. And so I just I don't think that ads, working in ads, are really going to make that uh, much of a difference. I will sort of make an exception to that if the ads are for, say, free domain radio. Now, if the ads are big uh, Coca-Cola, Nike, like all the big guys then they'll pay enough that it'll really make it worthwhile putting their ads in. But obviously going back and inserting ads into 720 podcasts would make me open a vein. And, uh, and secondly, the, the, the podcast medium is not big enough yet that Pepsi, no one's going to pay for any product placement for sure, Kodak. But there is no, um, uh, there's no model that really attracts the big guns. And uh, last but not least, of course, small corporations won't mind or small companies or whatever won't mind that much advertising on an anarchist podcast. Yet, I would say that it would be somewhat unlikely for a large corporation to <laughs> to advertise on an anarchist podcast. <laughs> I mean, no matter how cool it is, no matter how much, uh, I don't know, uh, a social, hip, skateboarding, young guy, skater boy fantasy stuff there is in this, whatever hip factor there is in this, uh, it's not worth being associated with anti-statists, right? I mean, that's not going to do them very good. When it comes to the old lobbying, that's not going to do them much good. And of course, corporations of any size and scope are cheek by jowl with the state as it is. So they're not uh, likely uh, going to want to uh, disturb that relationship for the sake of reaching a couple of young punks uh, like us. So I don't think that's going to be particularly productive. I just wanted to point that out. And I don't really want to clutter the site up with ad revenue, like there's the Amazon ads. Ooh, I think I will put an area in where it's like, these books I recommend, these movies I recommend, if you buy them, I get a couple of pennies. Uh, that's because I'm going to do that anyway. And so I might as well put links in and you can make some money. Uh, I can make a few bucks off that. But I don't. I just don't see ads as part of what we're doing. I just, I think we're, we're talking about truths that are too deep and too precious and too, uh, too rich and uh, too complicated uh, to, to, to throw in something for, you know, and it's a gentle laxative. You know, I just don't see that will uh, work, at least until Freedom Man Radio becomes a gentle laxative, which is part of the spinoffs that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about, to the very fiber of your being, with extra fiber. So that's, uh, anyway, all these sorts of spinoff things. I just sort of wanted to, to mention that. But if you take the long view of what it is we're doing here, I think it puts it a little bit in perspective. I do, and, and I have done from fairly early on, once I realized that I was pretty good at this and also that there was quite an audience for it, I began sort of to take the long view. And the long view is to look at it a couple hundred years from now in your mind's eye uh, looking back. And look, there are philosophical revolutions that change the world. There are philosophical revolutions that change the world. It is... It is a tide rather than a wave, and it is a very slow tide at that. 
It's sort of in the way that uh, tectonics shapes the map, <laughs> but it's inexorable. But there are philosophical movements that change the world. Uh, separation of church and state was one, end of slavery was another. And these are all based on philosophical principles. Uh, of course, the um, uh, uh, some of the rationalistic and scientific stuff, the science of science is the most fundamental uh, philosophical revolution and, uh, that changed the world. Uh, economics, another philosophical. So there are philosophical revolutions that change the world, that change the world. I think this is a philosophical revolution. I think this is a philosophical revolution because we have depth and simplicity. And so the two things that I always try to bring together in the podcast, depth and simplicity. And sometimes it's complicated and shallow, but, <laughs> but for the most part, I think I take a fairly good stab at it. But depth and simplicity. People who have a lot of depth, the philosophers who have a lot of depth, I'm thinking of sort of the Hegelians and so on. They have a lot of depth, or the Wittgensteinians. They have a lot of depth, but who knows what the hell they're talking about in any sort of practical, fundamental way. And, and to me, philosophy has some really fundamental and simplistic and, and common sense things and questions that it needs to answer. Like, it's all well and good that a noun may or may not exist, but should I marry this girl or not? Should I take this job or not? How should I deal with my family? How should I deal with corruption? How should I deal with my feelings? How should I, what is love? I mean, there's some basic questions and answers that philosophy needs to provide before it, before it gets on to does a noun really exist? And what is the epistemological status of numbers? So there is depth and horribly complicated depth in a lot of modern philosophy. I mean, you just don't know what this, the POMO stuff. Nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. It's just, well, it's just Marxism abstracted, right? Marxism turned into grammar. That's mostly what postmodernism is. But if you want more of my views on POMO, then you can uh, have a listen or a read to the fabulous novel, novel The God of Atheists. Ooh, look, an advertisement available for only $50. $50. It's Canadian, people. It's not even real money. Flush out the monopoly and send it my way. But um, so there's there's depth with horrible complications, which to me is just kind of like a ruse. That's an emperor's new clothes situation. And then there's the chicken soup for the soul stuff, which is, you know, if you love her, set her free, which, you know, don't. <laughs> don't love her if you have to set her free. Um, fundamentally, I mean. Oh, it's Caveat City today. We are just we are driving through Caveat City. Uh, so hopefully I'll try to think for a moment before I speak. But really, why change the business plan now? It's working all right so far. So there are the other kinds of, you know, the self-help books, which are not deep uh, and, and relatively uh, simple or actionable. And a fair amount of psychology, of course, falls into this realm. And that's not, to me, particularly philosophical. It's not sort of from the ground up, from first principles and so on. So we have, I think, a very good combination here of, of depth and simplicity. A simple method, like science, simple method, infinite permutations. And so that's kind of like a revolution, I think. I mean, I guess John Locke wrote in a very simple and uh, powerful manner, but uh, two treatises on government were, number one, uh, we need it, and number two, it's not good, but we really need it. And that's not, uh, <laughs> to me, that's not working from first principles. You don't want to take the world as is, as your empirical benchmark, and start building from that. 
it's like a, uh, I was looking for something on the internet today for work, and I came across an article with the gripping title, How High Should Steel Tariffs Be? Well, that's, of course, taking the empirical world that is and saying this is the, this is the uh, material that I have to work with. So how am I going to answer these questions? And uh, that's not a philosophical <laughs> revolution. That's barely any. As low as possible. They should, you know, they should be eliminated. It's like, no, violence is wrong. Right? I mean, that's going uh, to encapsulate everything that you need. The first is that you'll talk about steel tariffs versus, say, iron tariffs. And the second is you'll say, how high should they be? Should we beat our slaves a lot or just a little? Well, there's too many, uh, you know, you, too many premises taken for granted in that, kind of, uh, in that kind of formulation, which we don't do here. We don't do here. So... If you take the long view, this is some pretty important stuff that we're doing here. This is some pretty important stuff that we're doing here. You know, people who post a lot, this sounds facetious, but I absolutely mean it. People who post a lot on the Free Domain Radio board are very likely going to have schools named after them in 200 years. People who get heavily involved and who are early on in the Free Domain Radio archives are going to have schools named after them and streets named after them in 200 years. That's my long view of it. I hope to have a planet named after me because my forehead approximates one fairly well. The mottled red planet of thought. But this is the long view that I'm taking, which is we are turning the existing thought of the world by a few degrees a few painful, harmful, horrible degrees. Harmful in the, to the false self, harmful in the short run. Like defooing is painful in the short run. We are turning the world. Oh, oh, dun, dun, dun. But as you know, a few degrees change in a course in the moment changes the continent you land on in the future. Sailing east from New York, you change it by a couple of degrees, you change your course, you end up in a different country, maybe a different continent. You get two degrees off on an interstellar voyage, you're going to hit a different star system. Or nothing. <laughs> so yeah, we're changing things a tiny, we're just moving the, we're moving the, the steering wheel of society, like a fraction of a hair, a degree, oh, maybe a tiny little bit. But try driving in fast traffic and turning your steering wheel a little bit and see what happens. Not the best metaphor in the world, particularly not when I'm doing this while driving, so no demonstrations. But it has an absolutely enormous effect in the long run. In the long run. It's the only place where we can have a big effect is in the long run. Where people are out of reach of the guns of the present. Hello, future once more. Hello! I hope you're doing well. I hope that we did our job. I hope that we did our job. I hope that we live with courage and generosity. And firmness. And I hope that we opened up a way to the future. A future that is a beautiful place. I can see it very clearly in my mind's eye, and I can even see how to get there, but 
I wish I could join you, but in a sense, I have. <laughs> so. so in the long view, what we're doing here is enormously important. I do believe, I really do believe, and, and again, this could be just craziness on my part, but I don't think so. I do believe that the world is a limbo waiting for these conversations to occur. The world is just kind of hanging out in a void, fundamentally in a void, in momentum. And nothing really happens, like a big waiting room. Nothing really happens until these conversations occur, until the truth is brought forward and is passionately debated. Then society changes. Then there's this massive, in the long run, though tiny in the short run, course correction. What happened to Socrates, which killed the Republic, was Plato. And I have yet to, and I will, do a podcast on Socrates' apology as interpreted by Plato and his slavish worship of the laws. Dear we the laws, did we not sanctify the marriage of your parents? Did we not give you life? Yeah, right. <laughs> the law books are spraying seeds all over the vaginas in Greece. <laughs> Plato is a goddamn fucking moron. I just hate the guy. I just hate the guy. He and I stare at each other across the years, and he is beady-eyed, abstract, and ferocious, and I am implacable. A sumo! <laughs> Don't even get me started on old Jesus. But these conversations are very rare, and they arise like geysers in history. You can see them like stars in the sky. There's just nothing in between. Just people going on the habits of the last conversation. And the conversation in the West has been the same for 200 years. How big a state should we have? How big a state should we have? That's the conversation that's been going on in the goddamn West for 200 or 300 years. About 300, probably. How big should the state be? That's all it's been about. Well, that's like saying, how high should tariffs be? on steel <laughs> it's the wrong question why have a state at all is the question or what is society without a state how is the state morally justified those are questions how big should the state be well you know it should be smaller it should be more localized it should have separations of powers it should have the judicial and the executive and the legislative and it should this and should that it's like yeah and fuck you too to all those thinkers Thank you so much for what you gave me, you dipshits. Look at the grim wall of blood we have to climb over now. Thanks so fucking much. Oh, that was just tastily wonderful. I appreciate it so much. But then greatness in all of us is not achieved but provoked, right? So, since I enjoy the conversation and the conversation in me has been provoked because I wish to live free, or at least I wish not to be told that freedom is slavery, and slavery is freedom, because I'm tired of bullshit, and I got angry at bullshit, I decided to speak. So, <laughs> depth is provoked, not necessarily assumed or achieved.
But the world waits for these conversations. The world holds its breath and falls asleep and naps and waits, suspended in nothing, until these conversations come along. And they're rare. They're rare. They're rare. They're rare. Uh, there's the pre-Socratics. There's the Socratics. There are the Roman philosophers who were really mostly focused on the Republic and the codification of the laws within the Republic. They were the first to come up with the first secular set of laws which lay fallow in the Arabic vaults until the 14th, 13th, 14th century, Italy. And then there was the Council of Worms, so aptly described, you know, so aptly named, and uh, darkness, really darkness, uh, the, the Christian, the Christian uh, superstition, uh, Christian, the occult extinguished rationality, and before that, state, the state extinguished rationality, and then the occult. Right? The, the state extinguishes rationality in the occult, extinguishes humanity and it's just a, a huge mess but then uh, this conversation right happened uh, Socrates and then Plato screwed him up I don't know to what degree we'll never know unless there's an afterlife but then we had some very practical the Roman practical philosophers and then we had the dark ages and we had a uh, thousand years 800 years of nothing of the world waiting of the world doing nothing but reproducing the past. A blind photocopy, a pa-ching, 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 photocopy, photocopy. It's a Groundhog Day until the truth breaks it out. Most of the truth just puts in a different Groundhog Day. Ooh, another pulp cultural reference. So, nothing happened then until we began to uh, really examine... The, the renaissance and the art and the humanism and the secularism and so on and we began to examine these sorts of aspects of things and the rise of the scientific method the renaissance the enlightenment those conversations and those conversations were climbing towards this conversation but we had a backlash of the religious and the statists right the religious and the statists and the the religion uh, religion lost its great protector of the aristocracy and it was separated from the church, from the state and so it lay fallow, and then it began to prey upon the children even more. Prey upon. Uh, and then it began to wed itself to the state, which is where you get socialism from. Socialism is state plus religion. And is impatient. <laughs> the rewards have to be in the here and now. And Marxism is, is a secular religion. Stalin, yeah, he's an atheist, but he was raised as a seminarian. He was going to be a priest, right? So... So, this aspect of things is sort of important. And then what's been going on since? Well, you had, uh, I guess, Marxism, but Marxism was just religion, writ, writ again with the state as God. There's nothing particularly new there. It's sort of horrifying. And fascism was just updated medievalism. With the state as more God than God. I mean, with, with Marxism, you have the class as God, and with... National socialism or fascism, you have the country or the state as God. With welfare state, with the welfare state, with democracy, the people are God. And of course, there is no such thing as a God who is a class or a God who is a country or a God who is people. God doesn't exist and God doesn't speak. So then you just have to have people who will interpret all of these things and then tell you, oh no, I speak for God. Oh, sorry, I speak for the people. I speak for the race. I speak for the country. And uh, don't you worry about where these words come from. It's uh, not yours to think about. So, 
so these conversations are very rare. And certainly no philosopher has ever had the tools that I have. No philosopher has ever had the tools that I have. And as we talked about in the Digital Gutenberg, these tools are essential to the spread of truth. Right? Who, <laughs> you'd heard nothing of me before podcasting. Nothing of me before podcasting, and that's very important. Without podcasting, you would have heard nothing of me, and I would die and take all the truth with me. And I wouldn't uh, even get the truth that I get reflected back from this brilliant crew. So this is a world-changing conversation. I know it doesn't feel like that. I know that it, you're working out of the gym or going for a walk and listen to a ranty British guy, and I understand that. But I absolutely guarantee you, this is a world-changing conversation. And if this conversation fails, and this is part of the success of Free Domain Radio, I don't take this lightly at all, uh, with all seriousness. I mean, if this conversation fails, I don't know how many thousands of years it will be before it starts up again. Or hundreds, let's say hundreds. Although I think thousands. I really do. I think that this is an unprecedented enough content and form and interaction that it could be a thousand years until it starts up again. And if we fail, we fail not just ourselves, but we fail rationality. We fail the truth. We, dis we turn our message into disrepute. In the same way that Ayn Rand's crazy collective self-destruction did. Right? So Ayn Rand was who Ayn Rand was and did what Ayn Rand did and turned into a crazy kangaroo court Stalinist inquisitor towards the end, detonated her whole movement. And so now people say, oh, Ayn Rand, she was just culty. If the ideas were so good, why wasn't she happier? If the ideas were so good, why does she need to tyrannize? Well, there was a flaw at the core of her ideas. Two fundamental flaws. One about government, one about ethics. Which I'll get into. I'll get into uh, dissecting the great Rand, who was my greatest influence. And yet, a student does little respect, does scant respect to the teacher if the student does not outgrow the teacher. So now uh, capitalism is uh, in disrepute. And there's no fundamental alternative uh, with, with objectivism right, to, to republicanism. It's just that the state should be smaller. There's no fundamental change. There's no fundamental difference. There's a lot of rhetoric that you would think would indicate that, but it never made it. And that's a terrible tragedy. And that sets, the truth is set back through failed attempts more than if those attempts are not made yeah, the truth is is further retarded or set back through an attempt that fails than if no attempt is made and that's why you you've got to aim you've got to aim you got to pull and you got to shoot true because my greatest regret would be putting forward ideas wherein the methodology or the fundamentals turned out to be massively flawed because then people would go, oh, that's philosophy. Right? Whatever they encounter, whether it's me or whoever, or whoever else. Oh, that's philosophy. Well, that's bullshit. 
So what do they say? Well, they say, they say that, that philosopher is, 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 uh, is wrong. No, they say philosophy is bullshit. And then someone else says, oh, listen to another philosophy podcast. They're like, now I listened to one. It was bullshit. Thanks. Uh, I'm okay. I'm done. There's a hot literatica podcast that's going to get my attention even more. So it is a disaster to half speak the truth. You should keep your mouth shut. It is a disaster to half speak the truth. That's why I'm glad there wasn't podcasting around when I was 20 and still learning so much learning. So much thinking. And so this conversation in the long run is a, is a world-changing is a world-changing conversation. I would submit that other than love your wife and love your children, do a good job at your job or whatever, and other than that, there's nothing more important than this conversation. There's nothing more important than this conversation. If this conversation fails then the world will have to wait another thousand years. I really, I really do believe that. And that's from my sort of own long years of study of intellectual history, that the rarity of these conversations is so... <laughs> well, rare. <laughs> oh, I backed myself into a linguistic corner there. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> I've now left blotchy and uh, <laughs> red-colored footprints all over the carpet as I walked out of that painted corner. It's a very rare conversation, is what I'm trying to say. And how long does it take? How long does it take for the next one to come along? How long does it take? If this conversation fails, who's going to be more rational? Who's going to be more committed? Who's going to produce more podcasts? Who's going to, who's going to do it? If it's not you and me, baby, who, who, who is going to do it and when is it going to get done? And how long will it take for people who've had exposure to this conversation to say, oh, philosophy, it's nonsense, right? Nonsense. And I think of this, and, and, and I really would invite you to think of this too. We're engaged in something crucial, elemental and crucial here. I would suggest this. When you come to the board and you, you feel like posting something snippy, think of how it looks in 200 years. You feel like posting something immature. You feel like getting hostile. You feel like, you know. Just uh, think, what's this? Uh, how's this going to look? Am I contributing to the success of this elementally fundamentally crucial conversation for mankind? Am I contributing to the success of this conversation or am I posting something wherein someone is going to come in and say, oh, these are a bunch of, a bunch of, a bunch of skittish and neurotic and, and weird and aggressive. Oh, if that's where philosophy leads you, I don't want to go there. If that's what philosophy turns you into, I don't want to go there. And the blood of that soul is kind of on your hands. <laughs> I said I hate to say it, but it's kind of true. How you talk about philosophy with people is a fundamental contribution to the success of this conversation. Do you say, I don't know, if somebody asks you a question that you don't know, or do you say, 
oh, I don't know, Steph did a podcast in there somewhere about this. I think he proved the point perfectly. Just go listen to that. It's like, oh, okay, so I'm not supposed to, you're not supposed to think for yourself. I'm supposed to listen to podcasts, right? You have to be free domain radio. You can't just listen to be free domain radio. And the success of this conversation does not fundamentally or even tertially depend on me. The success of this conversation depends on you. You, 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 you. You. We are stepping in concrete, not water or even mud. We are stepping in concrete. The footprints, the posts, the emails, the conversations that we have will be visible for years and decades and centuries. This is the most important conversation that is occurring in the world at the moment. I have to believe that. Not have to like, I oh, I got to, I got to cling to this. I have to. Because of my knowledge, and of course, if there was a more important conversation occurring in the world today, I'd be doing that conversation instead. But this is the most important conversation, and not just for me, and not just for you. But values, philosophy, integrity, virtue, love, these are all the things that make life worth living and make life joyful and rich and scary. Exciting, let's say. Philosophy, the ultimate extreme sport. And so when you are thinking philosophy, talking philosophy, posting, emailing, whoever, whatever, whatever, take the long view that you are participating in the greatest conversation in the world. One could say ever, but I'm not going to go that far because we are using language invented by others and logic that I sure as hell didn't discover and the scientific method which I sure as hell didn't invent. Of course, if, if I had, I'd have to invent podcasting pretty quickly. But it certainly is the greatest conversation in the world. And by greatest, I mean most essential, most important, most world-changing. It's the greatest conversation in the world that is occurring right here between you and I and those we speak with. And if we fuck it up, my friends, if we fuck, up, if we fuck this conversation up, the world will have to wait for a thousand years. And just think about that. Think about that. Think about that. Think about a thousand years, six to eight to ten billion people, some 50 to 70 year generational cycle. How many hundreds of billions of people is that? Is it a trillion people? Is it a trillion people? Well, what would you do to make the world a better place for a trillion people? And what would you say if I told you that every communication you have about philosophy is having a direct effect on the quality of life and the potential for happiness of about a couple of hundred billion people? Because if we get this conversation right, if we get this conversation right, the future will be free. The future will be free if we can sandpaper our fingertips to the point where we can feel these tumblers click 
to get through the falsehoods and to the truth, the future will be free. And we may live to see some good part of that. The future will be free. And hundreds of billions of people will be free. More people in the future can be freed by us than have ever lived on this planet, ever. The abolitionists were noble and heroic, and I, despite their <laughs> religious histories, think nothing but the world of them, and they freed a few million people. Massive, huge, wonderful. We aim to free hundreds of billions of people. The future. The place we define, or if we fail to define, bad people will define. The future we define, they will live in. And if we get this conversation right, my friends, if we get this conversation right, we free the future. And if we get it wrong, for a thousand years, people will live in physical or spiritual or political or economic darkness and in hell. For a thousand years, hundreds of billions of people will live without love. You can't have love without virtue. You can't have virtue without rationality and integrity. For a thousand years, children will suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer. They will grow up in fear and obedience and anger and live lives of obedient, desperate, hateful futility. And we can open that hatch if we get this conversation right. We can open that hatch and we can free the future. And we can save the children and we can save love and we can save the hearts and souls of humanity if we get this conversation right. It is so important. In the long view, it is more important than your marriage. It is more important than your job. It is more important than your money. It is more important than your talent or your looks or any of the other myriad things about you. Your clothing, your hair, your age, your skin, your neuroses. It is more important than your neuroses. It is more important. This is how we become large and how we become powerful. And how our true self comes out. Because our true self is reality and the long view. Because you are not what you do. You are not your bank account. You are not the music you listen to. You are either speaking the truth... You are either saving the future or, kind of frankly, what are you doing? <laughs> I know you're, you're, you're recreationing from those things. Uh, does that mean that everybody has to become a philosopher? No, we all do what we can relative to our skills and abilities. But just recognize the magnificent import of what it is that we are doing. And if you think that uh, I'm exaggerating, just imagine the world you'd live in if uh, the Enlightenment philosophers had gone a different direction. 
Or imagine if someone different had been born with the oratorical skills of Jesus Christ. Or Hitler, for that matter. Individuals shape history. Individuals make the future. Everybody just goes along on the tide of the willpower of individuals. And we make the future. The future is a continent that we don't carve. We invent. We don't discover it. We create it. That is what we are doing. We are mapping the topography. We are creating the world of the future in a very fundamental way. These roads were not built by people who build roads. They were built by people who built capitalism. People who could build roads were around from the beginning of time. Roads have been around for a couple of hundred years, I mean, not counting the Roman ones. Roads for cars, uh, less than a century. The roads are not built by the people who build the roads. The roads are built by the people who built the environments where building roads is productive or possible. And we are building the future. We are creating the world of the future through the conversation that we are having today. It is so unbelievably important. We can free the future. We can cure disease. The free market cures disease. Get rid of socialized medicine, we cure disease. We can cure cancer. We can heal the environment from the scars inflicted by the state. We can free children. We can nurture and protect children. We are the guardian angels of the future. We will move through the future, saving everyone continually. If we get this conversation right, we can build wealth. We can educate the children. We can cure disease. We can... Rescue the poor. We can help people live forever if we get rid of religion and its opposition to stem cell research. And that's going to happen philosophically. It's only going to happen philosophically. We can do all of that. We can be miracle workers. We can be the gods of the future. But we have to be careful about this conversation. And that is the long view of success for Free Domain Radio, which is freeing the future. And I am so excited that you are part of this right at the beginning or close to the beginning. And I look forward, (laughs) as always, to your donations. All the best. Bye.